we are reminded in the scripture in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, where the apostle Paul said, thanks be unto God for his indescribable, inexhaustible gift. And the gift, of course, was the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we embark on this wonderful season of the year, we always want to remember that the reason we celebrate Thanksgiving is not because of what the presidents in the past have decided to do on this last Thursday of the month of November, nor even celebrate the issue with the pilgrims and all that other stuff. It's to a, it's a thank God for his wonderful gift of salvation. And so we gathered together inaugurating the Christmas season with the greatest holiday of them all, giving thanks to God for everything he does. And that's what we want to do this evening. And uh, the Magi, when they recognized the beauty of the gift, they gave gifts to the gift. Christ was the gift, but they gave gifts to that gift. They gave them or him the best of what they had. And tonight as we take our offering, we want to remind you that as we give to the Lord above and beyond what we normally give to him, this is a time, Thanksgiving, where we're saying to our God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for supplying all of our needs. And we want to give to you, Lord, that which is due your name, that you might receive glory and honor and praise. So as the men come down, let's, let's bow for a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you that tonight we can celebrate you. We realize that every time we get together, it's a celebration of the Christ, the great gift that, Lord, you gave of yourself. And tonight as we celebrate that gift, Lord, we're reminded that as we give to you, our gifts pale in comparison to you. And yet we recognize that all that we have is from you. And because it is, we want to give back to you, recognizing the needs of our church, recognizing the responsibility we have as believers to give. We truly want to give with a joyful heart. We want to give out of a heart overflowing with gratitude because, Lord, we are here tonight because of you. We have lived as long as we have lived because of you. We have our jobs because of you. We have homes to live in because of you. Cars to drive to get us here because of you. Everything that we have has come down from the Father of lights. And for that, Lord, we are thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> As the ushers are taking the offering this evening... Uh, I just want to remind you that, you know, I, I don't know how many churches you've been to over the years, uh, how many baby dedications you've seen over the years. Um, we've been doing them here for, for 26 years. And we do them in a very unique and special way, mainly because we believe that uh, it's important for parents to come before the church and to dedicate their children to the Lord, give them back to the Lord. That's very, very important. We know that because everything that we do is centered on the scriptures. So we model this after Mary and Joseph. After 40 days uh, after the birth of Christ, they came to the temple to dedicate their son, the Lord God of Israel, to the Lord himself. 
And they wanted to dedicate him because that was their responsibility. Now, you don't have to do it in Jerusalem, and you didn't have to do it in the temple. But they did. And you know what? When they did, they fulfilled prophecy. And most people don't even know this. But the Bible says in the book of Malachi, the third chapter, the first verse, that the Lord God was going to send a messenger before him. And that messenger, of course, was John the Baptist. And then Malachi says, the one whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Now, when Malachi prophesied, there was no temple in Jerusalem. So there would have to be a temple in Jerusalem in the future. And there was. Because Herod would make that temple what it needs to be and as beautiful as it was. And so when Mary and Joseph brought the Christ child to the temple 40 days after his birth, it was a fulfillment of that prophecy because he would suddenly come to his temple. And then at the age of 12, same thing would happen. He would be in the temple talking to the religious leaders and telling them about how he must be about his father's business. So he came, first of all, at his dedication, suddenly. He came, second of all, suddenly at his declaration as the son of the Most High God. And then he came suddenly the third time in John chapter 2 when he denounced everything that the religious establishment was doing and overturned all the tables and drove all the money changers out of the temple. On three occasions, our Lord came suddenly to his temple. And all three of them fulfilled the prophecy of Malachi 3, verse number 1. And so when we realize what Mary and Joseph did, they fulfilled the law of God. That was their responsibility. But they fulfilled prophecy. That was important. And so when we have a, a couple come with their child, we realize that they are coming, modeling after what Mary and Joseph did. And that's why we have baby dedications. And that's why we spend time on them. You've been to churches where they line up, you know, several families and they have a short little prayer for all the families and maybe they'll introduce their kid and then they sit down. Or maybe they don't do, do anything at all. A lot of churches don't do anything. But we celebrate family. We celebrate God's gift to the family. We celebrate what God has designed for us to do, to be fruitful and multiply. We celebrate what God celebrates. And so from the very beginning of time, it was all about parents giving birth to children that God gives to them. So they in turn might be able to give them back to the Lord because they're his anyway, right? We possess them very briefly. And because we possess them briefly, we need to prepare them biblically. So this evening, I'm going to ask Anna and Franco to come and, and bring little baby Charlotte and Aaron and Tim to come and bring little baby Hazel. Okay? So we're going to dedicate the babies of two sisters this evening. And this is a very special time because, uh, baby, how many grandchildren do we have? 13? 12? I can't see it on my glasses on. Just as well be 13. I don't know. We have 12 grandchildren, and so uh, they just keep coming in number. And yet all of them are unique. 
All of them are special. And tonight, I thought it'd be best to, to dedicate them instead of Sunday, because Sunday is such a, a short service anyway with the baptisms. But when we talk about our children and realize that they are arrows in the quiver, and blessed is a man whose, whose quiver is full of them, we are reminded that our responsibility is to sharpen those arrows. And so we give parents arrows. Arrows with Psalm 127, verse number four on it, and the name of the child. It should be that constant reminder to mom and dad, I have to sharpen my child. And the only way to sharpen your child is through the testimony of the word of God. And so it's a reminder both to Tim and to Franco who lead their families that they have responsibility to make sure their children walk with the Lord. And so uh, we give this to you. This is for Hazel. And this, of course, is for Charlotte. And then, of course, we, we have uh, books for you. Uh, the first one goes to you because this is your first child. And in there is a letter to Charlotte from me that will tell her about this day 12 years from now. She can't open it before her 12th birthday. And Tim, this is for you. And uh, that's for you and Aaron as you uh, celebrate once again Hazel. Now, we realize that uh, when we give flowers, and we have two of them this evening, so there are two tonight, and these are very symbolic. And we do this simply because it is a constant reminder of our accountability and responsibility to the Lord. We do this for your sake. We do this for their sake. They come because they want you to recognize their commitment to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And as a church, we are to hold them accountable for raising their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. For that to happen, well, it begins with the white rose, the leader of the family, Franco and Tim. It's a reminder of their purity, of their integrity, that without that, they will compromise their leadership. All leadership is compromised when integrity falters. And so as they lead their families, honoring the Lord, putting him first, living a life of supreme integrity, they then can set the tone for the entire family. And the red rose is representative of the mother and all the energy she extends and expends. Now, Anna, you're getting used to expending your energy. Aaron has been doing that for several years now, but it's going to only grow as time goes on. And it's, it's a great reminder to all of us as, well, all of you who are mothers and those who are expecting mothers, the, the overwhelming responsibility that you have to nurture your children. It is a full-time job. There is no man in the room who can do what a mother does. God didn't design us that way. And the energy that women have far surpasses the energy that men have. That's why we like to take naps. <laughs> women don't take naps. They don't have time to do that. They, they can't. They have children to raise. And, and they have all this energy to expend. And then, of course, the, the yellow rose is representative of the child and the accountability that the parents have to raise that child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The greenery is representative of eternity because eternity has been set in the heart of Hazel as well as Charlotte. And it's our responsibility to show them a, the eternal God. 
The red ribbon is representative of the blood of Christ, which is the unity that we have as a body because of the blood that was shed for us. And then, of course, the vase is the church. And it's the body of Christ that comes alongside and prays for mothers and fathers and children. And then, of course, the water in the vase is representative of our authority, the Word of God, which simply is the cleansing of the washing of water of the Word that cleanses us from our sin as we confess our sin. And so these are the constant reminders for you as parents, for uh, Tim and for Franco, Aaron and Anna, as they come this evening to dedicate their children to the Lord. So, Tim, I'm going to give that to you because your hands are empty, and for you, Franco, because your hands are empty. And then we're going to introduce the children to the, the audience. So, okay, so we'll take Hazel first, right over here. Oh, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. It's just me. All right. So we get to go out of here, and you get to meet everybody. You guys want to meet everybody? I know. Some of them are really, really old. They're older than I am, okay? But, but this is Charlotte in the left hand. It's Hazel in the right hand. Hazel's name means God sees. Based on Genesis 16, when God saw Hagar, and she called him El Roi, which is God sees. And because God sees, we are reminded that God knows everything that we do. And isn't it interesting that during the year of COVID, God sees everything that's happening in our lives. And we never have to wonder whether or not God even cares, because he does. He sees. And Charlotte's name means free. It's the feminine of Charles, which means free. And therefore, we realize that when God sees, he frees. He frees us from our bondage. And of course, Anna's name means graceful one. And because of God's grace, Anna, we are set free from all of our sin. And we have the wonderful opportunity to realize all that God has done by saving us from our sin. And so as we come together this evening, we want to pray for both Hazel and for, for uh, Charlotte that, that, that God would see Hazel crying right now. And, and, and help her to be quiet. It's okay, H. It's okay. It's all right. Really, it's, seriously, it is. See, I see? I got the magic touch. That's what it is. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for these two precious gifts that you've given to Tim and Aaron and Anna and Franco. Two gifts that, Lord, will be with them and they will raise and care for and nurture every single day. We pray for Hazel that, Lord, you'd cause her to really trust you and believe in you. And that, Lord, she would see the beauty of her name and what it means that God has seen her and wants to take care of her. And for Charlotte, whose name means free, and that because she is a reminder of the freedom that we have in Christ, that when you know the truth, it will set you free. We are reminded of the freedom we have in Christ. So we pray for Tim and Aaron, Lord, as they raise little Hazel, and for Anna and Franco as they raise Charlotte, that they would realize the awesome responsibility of being able to take their child from birth, invest in them for their life. 
And Father, we pray for Franco and for Tim that they'd be the men you want them to be, that they would honor you, follow you, and serve you. And we pray, Lord, that you would be with Aaron and Anna, that, Lord, they would truly realize that as mothers they have a great and wonderful responsibility. And so we, we give these children to you because that's what these parents want to do, knowing that, Lord, you're going to take them, mold them, and make them into the women you want them to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay, here we go. All right, thank you so much. All right. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Tonight, um, I was supposed to talk on perfect peace uh, because that's what I wanted to do. But I realized that uh, one of the verses we read this evening, uh, the, the key to peace is, is a thankful heart. And that's why be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which surpasses all human comprehension will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. In order for there to be peace, we need to be a grateful people. And tonight, I want to exhort every one of us to give thanks to God for his goodness. Our God is incredibly good. In fact, the Bible says these words in Psalm 119.68, thou art good and doest good. I wonder how many people could really sing that today. God is good, and he does good. Listen to the words of the psalmist in, in Psalm 107. He said these words, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. The redeemed are to say thanks. The redeemed are, the redeemed are to praise God for, for his goodness. The same refrain is in Psalm 106, verse number one, when it says these words, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his loving kindness is, is everlasting. I began to go through the different verses of scripture that talked about the goodness of God because it, it is so overwhelming to understand that God is good. And through all that has happened in the year 2020, Every one of us has to recognize the goodness of God. In fact, listen to what the Bible says in the book, the book of Exodus. Remember way back when, when Moses had the opportunity to talk to God as if he was talking to him face to face? And Moses was so overwhelmed by the presence of God in this cloud. He said, Lord, I just, just give me a glimpse of your glory. I just want to see your glory. That's it. And so in Exodus 33, verse number 18, Moses said, I pray, show me your glory. And he said, the Lord God of Israel, I myself will make, listen carefully, all my goodness pass before you. The glory of God, the presence of God that's manifested in brilliant, shining light is summed up in one word, the goodness of God. 
He says to, to Moses these words. He says, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. So he says, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock and I will pass by you and I will let you see my afterglow. Now listen carefully to what he says. It says in verse 5 of chapter 34, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. All that is the goodness of the Lord. Everything wrapped up in who God is, is good. His loving kindness is good. His truth is good. His mercy is good. His compassion is good. But, but notice what he says. Moses didn't see God's goodness. He heard God's goodness. Moses wanted to see something, and God said something. Why? Because in the speaking of his name, in the speaking of his attributes, Moses saw everything he needed to see because God spoke to him. I think that for the most part, we miss that. Because the Bible says the goodness of God is wrapped up in the fact that his word is good. Hebrews 6, verse number 5, tells us that this is the good word of the Lord. It's the good word. It's the good word because as Moses heard God speak, we now hear God speak to us through his word so that we then are able to see God. And we see him not with the physical eye, but with the spiritual eye. Remember our Lord said in John 14, 21, that if you love me and you keep my commandments, I will love you and I will disclose myself to you. I will manifest myself to you. God says, if you love me and keep my words, guess what? I am going to show you something about me that you would not see if you did not keep my commandments. I want to disclose myself to you. The best way for us to ever get a glimpse of God is to hear what he says. And Moses set the tone for us. God's word is so good. Listen to what Joshua said. In Joshua chapter 23, he said these words as he talks to the nation of Israel before he dies. He says, now, now behold, today I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. It shall come about that just as all the good words which the Lord your God spoke to you have come upon you, 
so the Lord will bring upon you all the threats until he has destroyed you from off the good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you trespass the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you will perish quickly from off the good land which he has given you. In other words, Joshua says to the nation, not one good word that God has spoken has failed you. It can't fail because God never fails. As God is faithful, his word is faithful. As God is true, his word is true. And so because the good word of the Lord never failed for Israel, he tells them, listen, the same is true if you disobey the word of the Lord because there are there are consequences for disobedience. And you don't want to go there because all of God's word is true. And remember, it's the good land. Why is it the good land? Because it's God's land. The book of Leviticus tells us that this is his land, the land of Israel, the promised land. It's his land. And if it's his land, it's the good land. It's his word. It's the good word. And so what we have is the good word of the Lord. As you sit around your table with your, with your friends and family tomorrow, however many there may be, always remember to give thanks for the good word of the living God. For without that word, we would never see him. Without that word, we would never know him. Without that word, we would not come to grips with all that God has for us. We need to understand the good word of the living God. But not only is God's word good, but God's work is good. God's work is good. The Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 8, verse number 28, that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. In other words, we know that whatever happened this year or is going to happen this year is going to work out eventually for the good of all those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's the good work of God. We know it's a good work because we have a good word. And the good word tells us about a good God who's in charge of all the workings in life. And so we know that all things work together for good to those who love him. If you love him, that whatever has transpired this year, whatever will transpire before the end of this year, going into 2021, because we love the Lord, those things will work out together for our good and his glory. We know that there is the good work of God in salvation. We know that salvation is good. Why? It's Romans 2, verse number 4. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. The goodness of God. And the goodness of God is what was proclaimed to Moses. It's all about wanting to see the glory of God, the beauty of God. Well, it's wrapped up in the fact, I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you. 
And because we have a word filled with all that goodness based on a God who is good, we know that the work he performs is a good work. And when it comes to salvation, it's because of the goodness of God. It leads us to repentance and we are saved. But not only in the work of salvation, think about this, in the work of suffering, God is good. Psalm 119.71, it was good for me that I had been afflicted, that I might learn your decrees. The psalmist knew that the word of God would only grow more and more and abound more and more in him because of the affliction that a good God gave to him. So he made it very clear, it was good for me to have been afflicted that I might keep your word. You see, God wants us to keep his word. God will stop at nothing to make sure we keep his word. If he has to drive us through the, the trials of tribulation, if he has to drive us through the fires of affliction, he will do whatever he has to do to make sure we understand his goodness. And the only way we're going to know his goodness is through the good word that he gives us. And so because his work is good, it's going to drive us back to the good word of the Lord. So we know that the word of God is good. We know that the work of God is good. We also know that the will of God is good. How do we know that? Romans chapter 12 where he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. God's will is good. We know the will of God is good because we know the good word of the Lord that tells us about his will, his desires, the things that he wants to do. God said in Deuteronomy to the nation of Israel, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the reason I led you through the wilderness with all the fiery serpents and with all the trials you went through is because I wanted to bring about in your end good. The whole purpose for going through the wilderness and the whole purpose for wandering through the wilderness, yes, it was because of your disobedience of your, of your fathers. But know this, you did this for one reason and one reason only, that you would know that I am good and I have your good in mind when I took you through the work that I gave you because my will supersedes your will. God is so good. And so when we sit down and we think about what do I give thanks to God for this year? I thank him for his goodness, the good word of the Lord, the good work of the Lord, the good will of the Lord. And then fourthly, there's the good way of the Lord. The ways of God are good. Psalm 84, 11 says, no good thing 
will the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly? No good thing. And God has ways in which he works in your life and mine. Proverbs 18.22 says that he who finds a wife finds what? A good thing. A good thing. Not a bad thing. A good thing. So when you sit down at Thanksgiving tomorrow, and maybe the food is not as good as you thought it was going to be, the Lord gave you a good thing. Your wife, she is a good thing based on the goodness of God. For God is good and do us good. So we recognize that God does great things. Also, uh, James chapter 1 says that every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift. So all the goodness that we have that God gives us in the gifts we receive, think of your children. They are, they are gifts from the Lord. Your children are good gifts from the Lord. The Lord gave you the right child at the right time and the right number of children. He didn't give you too many. He didn't give you too little, little, he gave you exactly what you needed. And God gave them to you as gifts. Why? Because the ways of God are always in operation. The Bible says in Psalm 18 that the ways of God are good and perfect. We realize that God has a perfect way. God never leads us, listen, in a bad way, only in a good way. We know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so the only way to heaven is through him. And he is the good God who provides for us a good path, which leads us to a good place, simply because he has our well-being always in mind. This Thanksgiving, we all should sit around and say, Lord, you are good, and you do us good. I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've given us the good word of the Lord, which talks to me about all your goodness. It helps me to see the good work of the Lord. It helps me to see and understand the good will of the Lord and the good ways of the Lord. The psalmist said these words in Psalm 31. He said, how great is your goodness? How great is your goodness? And then he says, which you have stored up for those who fear you. The psalmist knew that there's something so great about God's goodness that is stored up for those who fear him. And the fear of God in the Old Testament is equivalent to the salvation of God in the New Testament. So when you fear God, you are saved by God. And so the psalmist knew that whatever you had in store, Lord, it's in store based on your goodness. And how great is that goodness? And then he says this, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. Those who fear God, they take refuge in God. 
Those who take refuge in God have in store the greatness of God's goodness. He goes on to say, you hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of men. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I stood in my alarm. I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you as godly ones. Oh, Lord, preserve the faithful and fully recompense the proud doer. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. We hope in the Lord because we have taken refuge in the Lord. We take refuge in the Lord because we fear the Lord. And we fear the Lord because we understand the greatness of his goodness. Every one of us, if you're born again tonight, you have been a partaker of the goodness of God. So much so. Listen to Romans chapter 15, verse number 14. Paul says, concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves, listen carefully, are full of goodness. Full of goodness. How can anybody be filled with goodness when there is none good, no, not one? How do we reconcile that? Simply this. Our God, who is good, indwells those who are no good so they can be filled with his goodness. We should all give thanks to that and for that because without that, where would we be? And so way back in the book of Exodus, Moses cried and screamed and begged to see the glory of God. And God said, Moses, I can't let you see my face. I'm gonna have to kill you. I don't want to kill you. I'm not done with you yet. So I'll let you see all my goodness pass before you. And he proclaimed that goodness. Moses never saw anything but what God said. And what God said was enough for him to see and understand who the living God is. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Christ, you need to do that before you go home, that your thanksgiving will be filled with the goodness of God, his word, his work, his will, his ways, all good because he is filled with nothing but goodness. And when you are born again, the God of goodness fills you with his goodness, which allows you to praise him for the good God that he is. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you for tonight. We are reminded once again of your great goodness. We are reminded that, Lord, you have, in a very great and marvelous way, stored up goodness for those who fear thee. Lord, it is true that eye hath not seen, nor has ear heard, 
nor has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Lord, we pray that this Thanksgiving we would praise you and thank you for your goodness because you're at work in all of our lives because you have a will that will be accomplished in our lives. And the way that we take is all decreed by you and we begin to see all that unfold in the good word of our Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.